if you were to stab a person wearing armor with a spear, you know, probably pretty hard to do. Yeah, best case scenario, it's going to get in there like an inch, mm-hmm. right? Which and now it's just kind of stuck. And in it's there. stuck in there, and then that's that's not fun. You know, then there's like a five minute sort of sort of gruesome struggle mm-hmm. where you're trying yeah. to get it out of there. Nobody's having a good time. Nobody. That's not good gameplay. The person, <laughs> the person with the spear in the chest and They're just like, ow, stop it. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 165 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the biter of bits. I'm Sam, and I'm the vector artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is August 20, 2018. Before you started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. Tons of it. Yep. Uh, and then there's going to be other stuff uh, that, as we discussed last week, children should should just get in on. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they need to learn. grow up a little bit. You need you know? to grow up and learn. Uh, but- I'm also a little bit concerned because, Seth, you kicked this off, and it sounded like you might have forgotten what your role was. And then you followed it up with a completely normal date, which makes me wonder, <laughs> have you been replaced? Are you Seth? Are we Don't being, worry about it. Are we being doppelganged? Don't Doppel- worry about doppelganged. it. <laughs> no, the thing is, uh, normally, normally I have the, the document that, um, that I use for reference yes, at right. a slightly different zoom level. Oh. And so I'm re- just really disoriented right yeah, now. Yeah. Enough. That'll happen. Yeah. Uh, also, before we get started, we want to thank our Ko-Fi supporters from moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, we want to thank Killer Percol, who says, please don't get rid of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you talk about life and the gaming community. Uh, plus, you guys are hilarious and seen. All it takes is $4, apparently, to keep our podcast live. That's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, we also got a message from My Name is Optional, who said, this is my message of support. And then Beautiful. we got another one from uh, Devin Smith. This is my real message of support. So I don't know mm. if there was a, a crossed wire there yeah. uh, or if Devin just went in twice. Sometimes you got to go in twice. You know? Yeah. Uh, and also we have a number of recurring supporters who we would like to thank who uh, pledge monthly, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Helps keeps the lights on. Helps keeps the mics on. And we did cross, uh, I think we, uh, last episode or two episodes ago, we had over 1,500 listens. According to the SoundCloud. Oh, did we? It's pretty rad. So, uh, yeah. We had like two weeks in a row. So I don't know what's going on, but I mean, hey. You know, we did on, try some advertising on Overcast.fm. That might have so, been that it. Maybe that did. <laughs> but it wasn't very much advertising, so. I don't know. So I don't know. We just did one. We did one advertising. One advertising, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. which gets us 0.03 people. Yep. Yes. So, you know, it take, you get a, it builds. Yeah. It builds over time. All right, let's get on to the news from this week. Uh, first thing, so I streamed over this weekend over at twitch.tv slash bscotch. But how much screaming did you do? Six. It's pretty good. But here's the, here's the kicker. So we've talked in the past about podcasting mm-hmm. and about consistency. Yeah. And how there was, a, there was a time where after Crashlands launched, all of a sudden our, our number of listens spiked up to like 3,000 per episode. Then some shit happened because we got busy with the launch and everything. Yeah, I think we... St- Skipped four weeks in a row or something like that. In a row, wasn't it? It was like two or two. We, or four we weeks skipped in a, row. a couple. We Definitely. skipped four episodes, I think, in total over over like six weeks. Yeah, because things were just wild. okay. Yeah, because yeah. it was at least two in a row. It was at real least once. Yeah, it was real touch and go. And yeah. then we lost two thirds of our listeners. 
yeah. who then never came back, mm-hmm. right? I think each week we skipped, we lost like a third of our of what was there now. Yes, you know? and we we've heard this from uh, we listened to my brother, my brother and me, which is a comedy podcast, um, and they they made some comment where you know they have millions of listeners, mm-hmm. and they missed a week, one week, and they lost a third of yeah. the yep. listeners. <laughs> uh, who there's people who just don't come back, and and I think it's it's that. People come to depend on the consistency of it. It becomes part of their routine, right? Mm-hmm. So what you have to recognize is that if you break your routine, then you break their routine. But and, I got to say, it is crazy how fragile that is though. You know? Oh, yeah. Because what what is it – what mechanism are people using where – because I'm just using my, you know, whatever the podcast app thingy, mm-hmm. whatever the hell it's called. It's, it just knows like when things are out. So I just open it up and I listen to some podcasts. You know, like if, if somebody missed a week, it wouldn't impact me at all because it would just be the next week. It would just be, appear. Here's, here's the one you haven't listened to yet. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what mechanism. Some people maybe wondering, do it, it manually. People, yeah, maybe. But then you would have to like – you would have to then just suddenly forget that that podcast existed now because it wasn't there one week. You'd have, I, you'd have I to – I think it's just the sort of thing where if, if, you, if it misses once, then you're like, is it ever going to – come back you know it's so there's like, like an, there's an object permanence problem here yeah <laughs> but but i mean does this did this ever exist well, no, think, but they don't I mean, come out every day because the, the thing that's weird to it to me is the fact that it's weekly so because mm-hmm. almost every podcast comes out once a week ish or something like that so it's actually long enough away that this seems like plenty of time to forget about it right mm-hmm. versus if you miss one episode that's only two weeks you know it's really the same time scale mm-hmm. But for some reason, I don't know. I think I think takes. people just really value consistency. Yeah, and and if you if you miss it, then people start to think. And I actually, I, I went through my podcast apps um, over this past or my podcast app over this past weekend to you know grab some new stuff and purge old stuff. And basically, anything that hadn't put out an episode in a couple of weeks, I just unsubscribed from because I wanted to get you know stuff that was going to be pumping out content. Uh, on a reliable basis so that I can sort of predict my listening time over commutes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a huge backlog or so that I don't run out. And if somebody's pumping out episodes sort of randomly or maybe like once a month or something, then I just can't really. So I guess the idea is work if, it in. So if you, if you have like a podcast or a small number of podcasts that you listen to, but you depend on them because you use them for your, your commuters. Mm-hmm. It's, part of, it's part of my routine. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Then if one of them is gone, you got to replace it. Right. And then if you've replaced it, then you just got to. Then I'm on a different train now. Yeah. 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 And so, so this, so we missed. So not uh, a lot of loyalty involved, I guess, with, with this process. Well, no, you got to think of loyalty has to go both ways. No, no, And I get that. But, but, but again, it's, it's, you miss a week. That's the the thing that the part of this whole picture. No, but I think, I think it's absurd. To me, it's a beautiful lesson in, in the value of consistency. Cause think about, we've talked about practice a lot, right? What's what's the problem with missing one day of practice, or whatever else? It's Is it now thing? you miss the next day? Yeah, because it's next not day. just about that day. It's about the fact that you've now like you have to fill it with something, and so mm-hmm. your routine's going to be changed completely. So I've experienced this this last week while we've been working up to all of our pack stuff, um, and it's been the case that because I've been coming into the office right when I get up, as opposed to doing like an hour of art in the morning, that getting back into the art train has taken you know ten days or so, as opposed to just being the thing that I do every single morning. Yeah. People so, have a lot of inertia to their behavior. But I, but I do. So I, I get all this. I'm not, I don't mm-hmm. disagree with anything. But I'm speaking from my, my own perspective. There are a handful of podcasts I like. A very, very small mm-hmm. number. Right. Mm-hmm. So if one of them was like just wasn't there one week, I'd be a little annoyed maybe if I noticed. But then would be excited when it was back the next week. Right. So I have a bunch of podcasts that come out in seasons. 
And so they're just sitting in my thing waiting for the next season to start, which could be months later, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, these are a handful of podcasts that I actually like because most of them aren't very good, you know, yeah. being honest. So, well, that, that's uh, but fine, the, the thing that you just, you would be like, say you love, I don't know, whatever, uh, you know, just some really popular podcast. You just love it. Right. And then one week it's not there and you're like, well, this is completely interchangeable with another podcast. So I'll just now have this one. Well, I, I think I think, that's, I think that's an <laughs> assumption. I, I don't understand what is happening. No, it's an assumption that you're making, which is you said it's a podcast that you really love and depend on. But so so that, the idea that is can't be true of a third all. of. So the idea is a third of all people don't actually give a fuck about the podcast. They're just filling the time. Filling you know, time. they just need something to listen to. Yeah, that's probably true. And they Easy. want and they're and they're maybe like they're kind of bouncing in and out, and they're like, "Oh, this is fine, I guess." And they're filling yeah. it. They're filling the time with it. And then as soon as you miss it, they're like, "Yeah, I'll fill this with." So is an alternative or interpretation just of what has happened. Is it's that, kind of like pruning the newsletter. Exactly. Is that is that by missing episodes we actually purify our audience? We make we make sure we only keep the best. <laughs> yeah. You know the people the most committed. I don't listen. know. There's this interesting sort of I, I think problem that a lot of content creators have with with this this issue of slipping into irrelevancy that can happen really quickly with something like this because it is very it's a very uncomfortable feeling to know that if you're like hey we like we just missed a week. That if a third of the people who you built up were just like, well, I'm out. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, I know you've done this for 160 hours and I've enjoyed a lot of it, but you know, I can't have someone in my life who just skips a week. Yeah. It's just yeah. unacceptable. Yeah. And you're like, listen, you've been consistent for 50 weeks in a row, but I need somebody dependable. <laughs> and you missed, you missed the most recent it's one. It's interesting. And I think your yeah. point about, uh, about that going both ways, it is weird to recognize the responsibility as a content creator than you that you actually do have in terms of like in terms of the way that someone else is building their daily life or routine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I agree with all. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not talking about yourself. I'm just saying like, crazy. as general, it's a, it's a weird. Well, so, so weird then bringing thing. it back to yeah. the stream, what happened was, you know, we were gone last weekend, so mm-hmm. I couldn't stream. Streaming is live, which means unlike the podcast where we can, we, we can know we're going to be gone and, and then pre-record. pre-record it. I can't pre-record a stream. Mm-hmm. Either I have, either I set aside the time, or if something happens Although, like we're at a wedding, you could. Well, right? no, because most of what people watch for the stream is actually the interaction. Yeah, you could just every once in a while just say things as if you're interacting with people. You I'll know? just I'll I'll put a laugh track in and yeah, some yeah. like sensible chuckles. <laughs> well, but but also because the way that Twitch works, you can't once once you come into the chat, you can't see the backlog, right? You only see from where you come in. But when you so you, you can just read, talk as if you're reading stuff that happened a long time ago. I don't think you that's going to I mean? pan out. I think <laughs> I think all you're talking about is putting a video on YouTube instead of putting it on Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you got to get where your audience mm-hmm. is. Yeah, um, yeah. So so what happened then was I basically I so I streamed for five weeks straight on Saturday mornings, and the viewer count was going up and up and up each time. Um, and then missed one week, came back, lost half. Yep, just fifty percent gone. Mm-hmm. So now I got to build it, build it back. This is up the again. main reason I keep on thinking I want to stream some web dev or something like that. Uh, but the main reason I, I'm hesitant to do it and probably won't is exactly that, which is that it is completely pointless unless you're going to build, unless you go really all in. Yeah. And you got, you got to commit and just say like, I'm literally going to, this is part of my life routine is that, you know, every week, no matter what's happening, come hell or high water, Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit down for X hours at exactly this time. And I'm going to stream. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm not ready well, for my, that kind so of what I'm what I'm this looking is, at. way more serious than marriage than buying it is. A house. It's a mm-hmm. huge commitment. It's enormous. You know, uh, you can get out of those other things, but you can't get out of streaming. No, once you're in, you're in mm-hmm. forever. Uh, but I mean, I look at it as I have this fun side project that I want to work on, and this just gives me a sort of like a forced routine to yeah. to work on this thing. So while also hanging out with uh, with our people, which is great. 
So anyway, just an interesting note. Anybody considering getting into podcasting, streaming, being a YouTuber, whatever it is, uh, aside from trying to be good at it, making sure you have good equipment. Consistency is key. That's if it. you're not consistent, none, nothing else uh, mm-hmm. matters. So also we have uh, a new level head subreddit. Mm-hmm. We are going to be launching a level head announcement trailer soon. Mm-hmm. And we we realized, hey, where will we send people? I guess we could probably tell people when the trailer's coming out, couldn't we? No. Okay. <laughs> Later. <laughs> no, just, just in case something goes sideways. But we're keeping it under wraps. Oh, that's fair. So there will be a trailer soon. <laughs> Um, and then we we also realized that and this is part of this is part of the marketing question of of giving people a call to action, you know, giving people something to participate in or, or something to do. And so we looked at our current status and we said, well, we could send people to the discord, uh, but that's kind of transient in the sense that there's just like one stream of chat. Yeah, it's um, not about level head. Yeah, it's it's our community discord just kind of period. There is a level head channel, but, you know, um, and so we spun up a Levelhead subreddit, which is now at reddit.com slash r slash Levelhead, as one might mm-hmm. expect. There's just tons of gifts and stuff in there. So if you guys want to go, if you want to pop in and see essentially what the game is doing, you know, what are some of the other pieces that maybe you missed uh, or even that you just haven't seen before, it's just sort of all collected there now. Yeah. And if you want a lot of stuff we've talked about on the podcast, now you can just actually see. Yeah. Instead of wanna, having to imagine it. Yeah. If you want to ask any questions about the game or, um, or even express concerns about, you know, mm-hmm. if you're saying like, I've played other games like this and here's some things I hated, is Levelhead going to have those? And we'll be like, yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at least then you'll know. Right. And yeah. A lot of the design choices we made um, came out of some of the subreddits we were looking at months ago. Yeah. Um, when we were looking at what people wish that existed in things like Mario Maker or other kinds of things. So, you know, we'll, we're going to pay attention to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, who's the game for? It's for the, the people playing it. So yeah. we should probably see what they need. Uh, yeah, so that's there. But and we're not going to make it an MMO no matter what anybody says. Yeah, what they need, not what they want. Yeah, We're not going to give people what they want. That's no. ridiculous. Um, all right. Also, uh, Google is doing some research on how people get games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to talk to our community in particular. Because of Crashlands and, and the success that it's had, so uh, if if you've ever wanted to talk to someone who is interested in listening about how you get your games, or in our case, how you found it's basically Crashlands, a therapy session just around games. Yeah, yeah. it's like a twenty minute, uh, <laughs> I think twenty or thirty minute call, and we have an in uh, Bitly set up. So you go to bit.ly/slash/player/interview, and uh, that's where the form is that they've put up, and all this is handled by them. So we don't actually touch the data or anything like that. It's all their stuff. It's um, not ours. We won't know anything you say in there. Oh, anonymized, all that stuff. Yeah, but they're, they're basically just trying to figure out how outside of something like the store do people actually go find their games? Who do they listen to? Uh, how do things spread from friends and family, that sort of thing? So uh, if you have yeah, if you want to talk about finding Crashlands or any of, any of the other games in our portfolio, uh, go sign up for it. They need about, I think, 10 more people or so. We've already gotten a few from the Discord. So feel free to hop in there. Again, it's bit.ly slash player interview. Yes. Uh, all right. On to industry news. Steam accidentally launched a Twitch competitor. Yeah. Hey, did you guys see this happen? It was, no. like it was on Saturday. No. What? So they they accidentally put up Steam.tv. For, what do you mean accidentally? Like they literally accidentally put it up and then took it down. Oh, they went oh, they went prematurely live. Yes. <laughs> and it's largely it's, a cur- <laughs> it's apparently going to be used to stream the the Dota International tournament. So for those not familiar, Dota is just the gi- this gigantic 
uh, online game that has a huge tournament that has like a million dollar price. I think Steam still makes a. I don't know if most, but a huge fraction of their income off of Dota yes. and uh, TF2. Yeah, and Counter-Strike. And Counter-Strike. Um, but yeah, so they 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 basically put this thing up, and then it's very clear that it, it literally is like a Twitch competitor. I mean, it has the chat, has streaming chat, all this other stuff, um, and then they took it down within like 10 minutes or something. And so everybody ran articles about it. So, you know, Kotaku. Man, can you imagine like, being in a company where – because like we, we make fuck-ups all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, that sometimes lasts for like two days mm-hmm. or more before we are like, oh god, and then we fix it. Can you imagine having so many people watching what you're doing that if you make a mistake and fix it within ten minutes, yeah, then still everybody notices <laughs> yeah. and there's news articles for weeks about it. Yeah, and if you're a public company, like now it's on your stock prices. Yeah, yeah. like all you're getting fired. Yeah, you got to fire people. Oh god, it's the whole thing. It's wild. So but yeah, that that happened. I don't know what that means. I just don't know what's going on because it was weird because. Steam was just doing its thing, and then it was now it's now it's of, doing some other things. Now it was like Discord for a while. Now apparently it's like Twitch. Discord's like Steam. Honestly, I don't know what's happening. What I think is happening is is maybe Valve is feeling some pressure. Yeah, maybe like, they've, they've been just kind of sitting on their laurels for. They've, a long they've been time, sitting so. for just a really long time. Like the, the slumbering beast is waking up, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh god, the the gaming <laughs> landscape is dramatically changing, and we forgot. Yeah. About that if, fact. I mean, if, if Valve really went for it. Um, if they applied all their know-how they, and resources yeah, to and, stuff. And, and scaled – I mean, using their infinite resources if they, you know, scaled up their – and I mean, they do have an enormous web team and, you know, a lot oh, of yeah. a lot of infrastructure because they, they actually handle uh, – for anybody who doesn't develop on Steam, um, you actually can opt into using their infrastructure for multiplayer and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so they – I mean, they have just huge, huge infrastructure. They got a lot, of, a lot of smart people over there. It's a company that people want to work for. So, you know, if they really wanted to do it, they could do some they big could just things. do it. And they're not unlike, say, like Amazon, which is kind of doing the same sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. Amazon doesn't care about games. It's a company about shipping products, right? right? Uh, and you take like Twitch, you know, Twitch cares about games, but it's all this very it's, – it's a completely different kind of dynamic. It's not about people selling games or whatever. So all these – everybody has kind of a different perspective on it. But, you know, Valve is the one mm-hmm. who just is 100% all about like getting games to people, getting people excited about it and has been for a long time. Yeah, it, 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 was, it. it was always weird to me because they, they also had for a long time, they've had that ability to to stream games to your friends. Yes. You can watch your friends play. And then recently they've added now people can stream as developers. Mm-hmm. Can players stream just generally so, over yeah. Steam? Not yet. I think like this, this is what that would basically uh, allow yeah. for, right? Yeah. So like they've, they've had all this technology and then in the meantime, you know, companies like Discord have popped up. Mm-hmm. Companies like Twitch have popped up. Um and are doing all these things that that Valve totally could be doing and just isn't. It's kind of right. reminiscent of Microsoft, you know, where they just they just held the lead for so long that they lost it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. of course, in business and elsewhere, I mean, they still have the dominant market share, right? But it's not it's no longer one where just the assumption is if you talk to a human being, they have Windows, right? Actually, yeah, but for the most part, now if I talk to somebody my own age, I assume that they have a Mac. Well, product. and if you yep. if you think about the fact that so much of computing and so much of the way people interact with with technology has now shifted over to handhelds. Yeah. And Microsoft just flat out lost that whole, oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. whole battle. Well, right? And they, they just didn't even, they, they didn't, didn't even try. Yeah. Right? Like maybe eight years later, they're like, we have a windows phone. Everybody's like, no. Because like, <laughs> yeah. everyone, everyone, the weird thing about that one was that everyone recognized that it was a beautiful piece of software. Oh yeah. Too. And it was like basically I, running windows 10. Yeah. Like one of my friends had one and, it was like the phone experience was actually phenomenal on that. Yeah, it's a great phone, but, but it was just too. People late. were entrenched, yeah. and yeah, and, and people's thinking, you know, 
I feel like it, as soon as you as soon as you have two dominant players, where people when they talk about it, like, oh, you got a new phone, are you going to get an Apple or an Android? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's that's how the conversation goes. Um, and once you have these two huge players in the market, then you're not only competing for things like shelf space. You know, you're competing for like culture. Yeah. Like just the way that people talk about these kinds. You're of basically things just not a part of the culture, you know. Yes, yeah. because part of the culture is the competition, you know. Yeah. Um, but if you're the rivalry, yeah, yeah, and, people love having two, people love having two sides, you know, like an yeah. us or them thing. But people also love underdogs. But you can't be Microsoft and an underdog, right? Right. That right. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work that Which way. Which I am considering getting a BlackBerry. The new Which I guess it still exists in like a year. It turns mm-hmm. out. Yeah, they've got a they've got a a new. Are they running Android now? They're running yeah. Android okay. now. Yeah, which and it has a keyboard. That's the whole thing. It's got it has a, physical a physical keyboard. keyboard. Yeah, yeah, every time, every time somebody sends me a text message on my on my Android phone, my flat pane of glass Android mm-hmm. phone, I get mad. I get mad about the fact <laughs> that now I have to type because, like, if they had sent yeah. me an email, I'm like, no problem. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll deal with this, this later. When I get to a keyboard, as soon as I get a text, I'm like, I hate. But here's here's where you went wrong: is you're not using Google Voice for everything. That's true because that's how I answer t- text mostly. So you just talking. I just, ty- I just type on my computer because Google Voice you can get on your. Oh, you could also computer. just hit the button on there and just talk to your phone, and it'll convert it into text. How good does it do? I've even tried. It is all right. I yeah, but that's also weird. I don't like. I'm. I don't know if I'm old fashioned about this, but. I don't really – I'm not really that into voice tech. Like when, well, I, when I talk to my phone, I don't know. Well, because it changes yeah. the nature of it from being a private activity. It's like take this text message. <laughs> it's like when you see somebody walking around doing that uh, Kardashian thing where they have their phone on speaker and they're holding oh, it yeah. up in front of their face like, yeah, a, like, like it's a microphone and they're on camera, you know? Yeah. Uh, Please stop. I mean I guess technically it is a microphone. But you know what I mean? <laughs> Like yeah, being it's also a camera. And probably they're on camera at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's also like, shit, it is a camera. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I like I like the physical keyboard. And then BlackBerry is coming out with, the, they have a the key two or whatever. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's pretty decent. Uh, so I don't know, let me, let me check that yeah, out. I have been contemplating downgrading just to something like cheaper, shittier. I just, I just don't, phone, I don't like, did you see the light can phone? Can you get flip phones still? Yeah, you can get flip phones. Oh, sweet. Still. Did you see the light phone? No, is it just light? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the size of a credit card. There was a Kickstarter. Oh, I did for see it. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it actually, it except actually, it was really expensive. Well, it, it basically can't do. It's anything, actually an it's great. actually an accessory to your normal. Oh, phone. that's right. Yeah. So I hate everything about this. So what it does is it it has no <laughs> screen and it and it's like totally blank and like when you touch it then the the keys turn on, um, but then it has it only has numbers and then it it will forward calls from your phone and that's all it does. So it's just a phone. So if you want to. Just have a phone, but then still have all the the modern conveniences mm-hmm. of having a smartphone. I don't, I don't know. It's a weird. Yeah. It's a weird it's, middle. It's kind of like an Apple Watch. Right? I feel like if you're going to be a, a if you're going to be a luddite, you got to commit. You yeah. do. You know. It's not even that I want to be a luddite. <laughs> I just want to have less. I just want less. You just want to have less. You know, fewer distractions and nonsense. Just just less. Just less. You just know? have of less. Yeah. yeah, it's just too much. Yeah. Um. Oh, also speaking of Kickstarters, Boyfriend Dungeon. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't know how many of our listeners have heard of this before. Hilarious. Right, so we we have friends over at Kit Fox Games. Mm-hmm. They made so they actually they started. I don't know if they started around the same time as this, but they launched a game uh, called Shattered Planet around the same time that Quadrupus Rampage launched, which is our second game. And then since then, we we met them at some conventions and stuff. And Tanya Short is their studio head, who gives much talks and sort of thing. And Tanya's great. Yeah, they're all they're all fantastic people, and they've been churning out. I think they've they've made like probably six or seven games. At this I think point. Moon Hunters was the most Moon Hunters was last one. Well, I think they had another one which is like a cult. A cult simulation game of some oh, sort. Um, okay. 
which was also really cool. It had like a green sort of Game Boy style aesthetic. I believe that was theirs as well. And so yeah, they've done a bunch of cool projects and they've also done uh, Kickstarter before. And so this Game Boyfriend dungeon, apparently, so uh, Tony had put out a tweet about it last week as well after it was successfully Kickstarted in like seven hours. Okay, so they raised, I think, it was fifty thousand dollars in like seven hours or yeah. so using Kickstarter, and the whole premise of the game um, they call it a shack and slash, which I think is hysterical. Yeah, what they do is you you dive into dungeons, you fight monsters and stuff, and then you occasionally come across these big chests that have these weapons in them, and you grab the weapon. But the trick is that the weapon's not just a weapon; it's also your boyfriend. Your boyfriend. <laughs> And so you could date some ways, basically once you get out of or the dungeon. Or girlfriend. It's, well, yeah, I think it started as boyfriend dungeon. And then they were like, well, we should just make this for everybody. Oh, yeah. So got, now it's like. You got everything in it. Yeah. So yeah, the, the the best part about it was the weapon, once you get out of the dungeon, transforms into some just beautiful, just luscious lush man person of some or, sort. <laughs> and then you, it's a dating sim. And then I'm not sure how it works as far as, you know, how the how abilities unlock whatever else. But But apparently it's, but I mean, it's everyone's loving yeah, it. Yeah, something about how you romance your weapon. Outside Somehow of translates the into the dungeon. Somehow, yeah, translates into your skills. And they also unveiled uh, – they had a cat that they unveiled, which you can't romance. But if it likes you enough, then it will come with – it turns into brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah. And so, so yeah, all the, so all the boyfriends and slash girlfriends slash significant friends, others, yeah, whatever. They've got uh, – they've got some kind of personality that somehow reflects their mm-hmm. weapon type, you know. And like when they turn into a weapon, then it kind of like matches their – you know, general motif. clothes and motif and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they did already successfully fund it, but I, it's one of those goofy things that I think is, is just very interesting. It just probably should exist. Yeah. And it's yeah. fun. So, so if, if you're interested in it, uh, they, they are on Kickstarter. Just search for Boyfriend Dungeon. You'll find it. It's hysterical. Yes. Uh, I'm excited about this. Yeah. All right. And last but not least, a little bit of life news. Mm-hmm. We saw the movie. Well, it's not, I guess it's not our lives, but we saw a movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, it's the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it, Sam. You just you just went to China, and a lot of the mm-hmm. a lot of the movies about Chinese culture. Yeah. So what well, was fun because it actually it was very interesting. So the the big splash of this movie is making is the fact that the cast is is all of uh, Asian descent in some way. So yeah. whether that's half or you know from Malaysia or whatever else. So just all over the Asian continent, and then um, it's a rom com, and it's phenomenally done so it's great it's just a really good it's because i have i've watched quite a few because my wife loves them of course and so i have feel like i'm a somewhat of a connoisseur at this point of rom-coms i mean you have watched a few of them so i've watched well i've watched a good many (laughs) and it's very much a and you've watched the bachelor which basically every episode exactly like a you know so it's a it's a very good movie just like just on its own merits it's a really good movie by itself um but the thing that, that that's really interesting about is yeah it's this sort of lens into uh, the whole story involves someone from the U.S. falling in love with this guy from Singapore who turns out to be like sort of the the bachelor of Singapore essentially, a very wealthy family. And then they go back to meet his family. And it's sort of like that cultural clash between uh, the Singapore family, between uh, this woman who was born in the States or not, was moved to the States when she was very young uh, as an immigrant. And uh, just like a really interesting sort of uh, look at at what that – culture looks like in those yeah and there's places. also stuff about like intergenerational clashes because mm-hmm. um, you know times change culture changes people change and uh you know it it always causes interesting conflicts and, and that expresses itself in different ways depending on 
traditions and depending on culture and expectations yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it's a great movie. Well, my, my, my wife loved it because we started watching it and the whole point again, like the reason it's making it a, a big splash is because of this idea of inclusion, right? So it's been a long time. Apparently joy luck club, like 40 years ago was the, the last time that there was an all Asian cast for something from a, like from Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was like a really sad movie apparently that not a lot of people saw at the end of the day. And so, um, this, like we, we start watching it and the song comes on and it's a, it's a Chinese song. I think it's like a Chinese jazz song. And Dinah just started crying. Like in the first 15 seconds, my wife had started crying because, and she didn't realize, she was like, I didn't know that this was going to be emotional just to hear this song that she knew yeah, in a like Hollywood, Hollywood blockbuster <laughs> movie to start yeah. with. Um, and so it was a really interesting thing to to be there and be like, to be able to experience that alongside her in particular, who got to see, you know, her own face reflected on the screen in a really big way, which is really yeah. cool. So yeah, Inclusion Matters, matters. it was fun. It's a very good movie. Go check it out. Yeah. And it's, it's killing it. In the box office, yes, as I understand. Well. So, all right, let's get on some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question on a future episode, get over there, put your questions in the text box. <laughs> First question comes from Anonymous. Hey, guys, love the podcast. And just to clarify, it was I who sent you that book. So, <laughs> Very funny. So <laughs> la- last episode, we talked about how we got a book, 5000 BC. No idea who it was from. Now we know. It was Anonymous. Yeah, we know. The right, writer of many questions. <laughs> next question comes from – oh, yeah. Thanks for the book. Uh, next question comes from Coffee Chemist. So now that the Shenana Jam has is done and gone, I'm super curious. What goes into a jam on your end? Mm, running a jam. Yeah. If you want to run, if you want to run a jam, mm. what do you do? What do? First, you got to tape up your nipples. Because there'll be a lot of it. It's going to chafe. It's going to chafe. It's a long run. It's a long marathon. A lot of movement. I think it, it all depends on the the – level of uh, i guess the the depth of the involvement that you want to have with the jam that's sort of and the first question thing. is is this only for everybody else or is it also for you yes so when it comes like you, you can have that sort of thing happen where you know if you if you throw a party you actually are usually the one having the least fun time at the party because you have to you have to organize stuff you want to make sure everyone's having a good time make sure the music's good make sure food's out everyone's got drinks in their hands and so you're kind of you're just thinking about all these things and you can have you can throw a really good party that's great for everyone, and then also not really get much out of it yourself in that same sort of way that they would. And a lot of that pleasure then comes from just giving that to someone else, that experience to someone else. So I think in a gym context, deciding what your level of involvement actually is because of what you want to do is really important. So if if you just want to put on a really really slick community event um, and you don't mind not participating yourself, then you could do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But otherwise. You, we in our case with the Shenandoah, the reason it's set up the way it is is so that we can participate. Yeah. Because otherwise, uh, if it was a real time location sort of thing, then we would not be able to build a game probably because there's there's a ton of work that goes into that. So well, unless we spent a lot of money because then we yes. hire other people to handle that for us, right? right. Or or if you have a volunteer organization. So so local we have the the St. Louis Co op, Gibbon mm-hmm. Co op, and you know it's a volunteer group. It's all nonprofit stuff, and so they. They'll spend money that the group has raised to get a venue or or the or the venue will just donate, you know, mm-hmm. a space or whatever. Um, and then people will volunteer enough time that, that people don't necessarily have to get paid. Right. But yeah. you still have to seek sponsors. You still have to do a whole bunch of stuff. So there's an enormous amount of time that goes into doing that kind well, of thing. And actually, because of that fact, you know, the St. Louis Game Dev community used to have three jams a year mm-hmm. um, that were like pretty big events. That were, yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were like it was a whole weekend event. Um now we're down to one, which mm-hmm. is the global game jam that as far as like that whole 48 hour in one location style. 
And then there's the scattered jam in the fall, which is the more streamlined, you know, everybody shows up, gets the theme, and then they all scatter and go back to their houses or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then come back at the end. Uh, So it it just was so much work that the organizers just couldn't keep up with it, which rightly so. I mean, and and they're doing it all for free. And then they don't even get to participate yeah. in yep. the jam because they're too busy sh- sweating bullets yeah. the whole time. So I think it's it's one of those things where you have to know what you want to get out of it. So uh, the easiest – the only thing you need for a jam, just to back it up to the question, is, is a theme and a time limit. That, those and the, at least one person. Those are the Yeah, those are the things. So you don't necessarily need a physical space. Um, but if you just decide on a theme, even some modifiers if you want to do a little bit extra, uh, and then, yeah, get, get some way for people to move their files around. In a public way, which you can now just go. do because itch itch now just has you know built in game jam mm-hmm. management stuff. So yeah, yeah people so you used don't to, have to do anything really anymore yeah. to run a jam. Yeah, you just go to itch.io, click on the jams button, and create click, jam. Create jam. Yeah, and, and because then it posts it onto their calendar thing. Mm-hmm. And so what you'll what you'll find is if you go look at game jams on itch, you'll just see at any given moment there's like forty of them. Yep, just running all the time. So if you just throw yours into the pile, but then there's that question, just like, just like publishing a game into a, you know, when there's yeah. hundreds a day, nobody will notice. Well, how do you get people to then actually notice your jam mm-hmm. and participate in it? Yeah, so of course, that, we just pull on our existing community. Yeah, well, that's actually, it, yeah. that's always what to do. So yeah. whether that community is a local thing or based around, in our case, the studio or uh, even based around somebody else entirely. Because so people have done jams for various pieces of technology, right? You have like a Unity jam or a Game Maker jam, whatever else. Or maybe so, do it as a team building exercise maybe, you for, know, your, for your company. Maybe a level head jam. Yeah. yeah some, we some definitely day. will do it at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, finding some community that you can tap into. Like, don't try to do a jam that's for everyone. That's the easiest way to not have anybody show up, actually. Um, make sure you pick a particular community to get it into. Pick a theme. Pick a time frame. And then just put it on itch and call it, call it good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just put up some helpful – Make just make sure you – try to anticipate all of the issues and questions that people will have as well. So having a fact or some kind of document um, that kind of explains things and, and uh, even just like one of the big things we we found is that a really big proportion of people who, who participate in jams are first time game developers. Mm-hmm. And they just thought, well, you know what? Screw it. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it this weekend and see what happens. Um, and so making sure that you have resources available for those people to know what kinds of tools to look into um, and just how to approach it is super useful. And that makes sure that they have a really good time and then maybe they'll come back if you do another one. So our next question comes from Devo. You mentioned Levelhead feeling the best on mobile, but also had talked about multiplayer being at the core of certain levels. Are you guys working on implementing some ad hoc Bluetooth slash Wi-Fi multiplayer for mobile devices? Or do you think mobile will be limited to single player levels? Thanks again. I don't know if we figured this out yet. Well, we're, we're, de- doing we're not Wi-Fi doing Wi-Fi because that's just networking, and so so, 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 so is Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Yeah. yeah, as soon as you're as soon as you are having the game running on two separate devices, oh, I see then it's 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 online. It's, yeah, it's now network yeah. play. It, it's yeah. the only difference is the amount of lag compensation you would need, yeah. and then whether or not we have to have servers running in the middle somewhere. So the question is, yeah. can multiple controllers pair, pair to a single? I think they device? can. Okay, so on something like a, like a Shield TV, mm-hmm. you know, you can have multiple. Uh, Bluetooth controllers hooked up to it or, or whatever. Hmm. Um, so it, it is technically possible. It's really just a question of what kind of experience you want. Cause like you could, you know, maybe like hook a couple Bluetooth controllers up to an iPad and then like prop it up on a stand or mm-hmm. something. And then huddle around it real quick. And close. huddle, huddle around it. But you know, you could, you could <laughs> do that. <laughs> well, I think it's one of those things that you see 
because you see it actually with switches too though is it because it's it is very small small tablet people Um, still pack around those things yeah because it's fun especially if you can just like but the thing is there is that the the handles you can just like snap in half and give one to a friend right so yeah people people generally don't have you know a pair of of ipad bluetooth i think almost nobody does (laughs) no but this is something i was thinking about actually uh yesterday because i was playing the legend of zelda on the switch and then the controller the controllers were about to die because I'd had them disconnected for like a couple of days. And so I was like, oh, I'll just – I'm just going to clock this in and I'm just going to take it with me I guess. So I plug the – I sling the controllers into the Switch, pick it up and then just go into the bedroom where my wife's working and then I'm just playing. I can just keep <laughs> on playing in there. Just like in the commercial. Yeah, just like in the commercial. And then – but of course the screen's way smaller but it looks beautiful on there. And the big thing is that having those externalized controllers is what allows that to happen yeah. because having all the buttons on the screen. But I was thinking – is there is there not a way to just turn a phone into a controller? Is there not just a controller app? People have done this that you then just Bluetooth my phone to that phone. Yeah, and then pe- I- people have done this where you can, yeah you turn your phone into a controller, but it hasn't really taken off because phones have no tactile feedback and almost no games are compatible. But it's, not, with that. it's not only that; it's also that you, you have to be operating then. You have to you have to cause that device to respond to this other to this basically to this application as if it is a controller, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like some real low level operating system stuff on a. Is it? That's what I was wondering because I don't know. Because yeah. like, so for works. example, we we couldn't just like make another game maker application that's a controller and have it talk to this mm-hmm. thing unless we were doing it over a network, right? We couldn't just directly do it sort of like operating system to operating system. We would have to basically have one of them acting like a server setting up a thing, listening to this other application and so on. So we could do yeah. it. So it, 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 just, it wouldn't be at all like it's behaving like a controller. It would just be like there's a second application. Yeah. And I mean, if, you, if you're like buying a copy of Levelhead on your iPad and then buying a cop or like buying a, you're getting this like controller application on four different phones or what, like at this point, you know, we're just, we're just flying off the rails so hard. You <laughs> might as well just like get it on, on steam or something. Mm-hmm. Plug in, just plug one of your controllers in, mm-hmm. and just do that. Um, yeah, and so I don't but know. It is, but it is the case that a lot of people have, you know, phones and tablets, but not laptops these days. Yes, true. At least at home, anyway. True. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, we we can't do anything for people who who want to play same screen co op on their iPad, but don't have any Bluetooth controllers. Yes, or anything. Correct. Right. Like at a certain point. At a certain point, we have to just say there are features of the game that require certain things, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just kind of yeah. So I mean, it's I, a bummer, but that's just how it is. Yeah, we're, we still haven't actually explored the whole Bluetooth, multi, multiple Bluetooth controllers for something like uh, like your iPads or tablets or whatever. We yeah. haven't actually explored. It we yet. think it's possible. I think it's possible. It's technically, I believe it is. Yeah, it's, we don't we don't plan to disable same screen co op on correct. mobile unless it seems like it's going to cause way more problems than it. Yeah, I think the biggest difficulty we've had is uh, with sort of the way that that Game Maker, at least in the past, handled Bluetooth controllers, which is uh, it would count a, a controller that was just paired as being active. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And, but actually, we've got a whole new set of controller code, which should probably take care of that. So it should be, it should be fine. Um, all right. Next question comes from Woland77. We all know that lying to your customers in marketing is scummy and probably illegal. No, I don't think it's, it's not as illegal as you think. It's scummy though. But in game design, which it, when, uh, when is it important, when is it necessary to lie to your players? Not to obscure the truth or omit something, but to outright state something which is incorrect with the intention that the player believes something which is wrong. In game design? And when designing your gameplay, mm-hmm. 
when do you gameplay that feels good is 90% lies. It's all lies. So, <laughs> yeah, so I want to I want to back this up. So we, there's there's actually Games a perfect are, gif of this on the the Levelhead subreddit which shows what the collisions look like when your character in Levelhead jumps up and hits an object, uh, hits a platform in the, uh, that's standing there or falls down. And what's actually happening is that you as the player, so you, you have a sort of an imagined reality that you're living in when you play the game. And it's that Where you're you are, good at stuff. Exactly. You're very good at this game. You're yeah. able to squeeze into gaps. You're so precise. It's ridiculous. You're great at jumping. Like you, you never jump when it's too late. And mm-hmm. you know, it's all that good But stuff. the reality is the game's doing a huge amount of work in the background uh, using what we refer to as these forgiveness, forgiveness mechanics to make sure that what you think is happening mentally is, uh, what happens. is what happens as opposed to what should actually happen based on the fact that you are generally very bad at nearly every game you play. So well, yeah, the, the game anticipates what your intention is. Yes. And then compensates for the fact that any person has about a 0.1 to 0.15 second delay mm-hmm. in basically everything that they try to do. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so for example, uh, when you're falling in level head, uh, you should not be able to jump when you haven't hit the ground yet. Yeah. Which means that if you hit the jump button, say f- a pixel off the ground, so you haven't shouldn't work technically touch the ground, shouldn't work. And actually, in games like uh, like the older Mario games, that is true. Correct. You have to wait until your character's feet touch the ground mm-hmm. before you hit the jump button. Otherwise, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about that is that that's that's true. Like that's that's that, very real. That's right. The, that's the truth of the universe. But uh, <laughs> the problem is, it feels very. Bad. It feels what people call unresponsive. Yes. Even though it is exactly responding to exactly what mm-hmm. you are doing. So what we do is we actually store – You're the one who's unresponsive. <laughs> yeah, we actually we, – Yeah, that's true. Or too responsive. Too, yeah, too we responsive. store the jump input as you're falling. Yep. And if you hit the ground within a certain time frame after hitting the jump input, even if you're not on the ground yet, then you will jump when you hit the ground. Which is basically similar to that because human reaction time is roughly like five milliseconds. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how long it takes for your brain to figure out that a thing has happened in general. But of course, it depends on the thing. Well, that's not reaction time. That's that's just process. That's input process yeah, time. Yeah. And then actually making a decision of converting that into action right. so is more like So then you add on one. to that depending yeah, on – it's like a tenth of a second. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So – uh, yeah, there's there's a perfect gift that just shows uh, what's actually happening behind the scenes to make it feel like your character is extremely responsive. So this happens in – I mean it's literally every single game that you play that feels really good. Uh, 90% of it is – Lies. Lies. Yeah. So <laughs> all the games that you play that don't feel good, they're not lying. Probably they're why. being really honest to you about yeah. how bad you are at the Absolutely. game. And we've talked about this before that uh, – I think I mentioned that quote from this gesture drawing for animation course, which was – there, there will be much rejoicing in the village when you learn to draw uh, not the facts but the truth. So the whole point yeah. in games is the same, which is it's not about being precise with sort of forcing the player to actually be really good at the game in terms of like knowing exactly when they hit the ground, exactly when it's they It's about jump. making them have fun. Yes. And those are two very different which things. Which is the point. The yeah. the <laughs> this is also true of, of animation and also like CGI effects and these mm-hmm. kinds of things. You know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that, that the reality actually seems – Less true than yes than for for whatever reason just in certain contexts the reality doesn't feel right so I think this is why I think it's like Dra- the original Jurassic Park with its basically puppet dinosaurs mm-hmm. right or the most one of the most recent new Star Wars movies where they had like, there was like one of the interesting there's this giant behemoth of a beast right and that thing is also not CGI and those things but it's like it feels very like stiff you know mm-hmm. and kind of. I don't know. It feels very weird, but it also seems like a very real creature mm-hmm. versus something that's perfectly rendered, you know, like this top notch CGI or whatever, like, you know, perfect light cat, like everything is perfect about it, but it just moves a little too smoothly, yep. you know? Um, 
or or gravity seems slightly just slightly off, off or whatever. But, but sometimes it actually needs to, you know, so in order for for something to be believable. Yeah. Um. So there, there's just weird relationship that we have where our perception about what should feel real and what shouldn't just doesn't actually match reality in a lot of contexts. So if you're creating an artificial reality, you have to identify the places where they need to match and where they need yes. to not match to make sure that people have the experience that you're trying to have them have. And this, this also applies to things like animation smears, yeah. which mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of, yeah. where it's like, you know, you're, you feel like that character is really sort of fluidly animated. It's like, no, that's three frames. Yeah. yeah. And just one of them is a weird smeary blur thing. Yeah. Uh, and then this, I mean, this is also the case when it comes to attack animations or anything like that. Um, exaggeration in animation is how you actually make something feel like it feels in the real world in a weird way. So uh, if you have a, like I say, a, a spear, a character with a spear, they're trying to stab someone. If you just stop the spear exactly where the stab happens, uh, it'll feel kind of stiff and dumb. But yeah, if you because, overshoot. Because in a lot of cases, like in a, if, if you were to stab a person wearing armor with a spear, you it's know. It's probably pretty hard to do. Yeah, best case scenario, it's going to get in there like an inch, mm-hmm. right? Which, and now it's just kind of stuck in there. It's stuck in there and then that's. Well, that's not fun. You know, then there's like a five minute sort of sort of gruesome struggle where you're trying yeah. to get it out of there. Nobody's having a good time. Nobody. That's not good gameplay. the person. <laughs> The person with the spear in the chest and protection. They're just like, ow, stop it. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of this. Uh, <laughs> most of what makes these things feel good is it's just an illusion. It's 100% an illusion. I think that's one of those things you once you start building a couple of games, you recognize that the further you build this foundation of, say, movement code or whatever else, and then actually the way that it starts feeling good has nothing to do with that. It has to do with all the stuff that you put on top of that uh, to make that illusion. I also think that, that the true separation between – good games and not good games is that understanding of where the lies need to be. Cause you take something yes. like overwatch, right? Uh, overwatch. If you, if, if you ever go look up animations and, mm-hmm. and, and look at freeze frames of all the various animation sequences, cause they, it, that game is well known for having just fantastic animations, right? But it's all these crazy hyper exaggerated lies where, where characters yeah. bodies are contorting and stretching all these absurd ways that you don't notice because it all is happening so fast that it just feels good and right somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but if you freeze it, it just looks, it looks terrible. Right. But it's the same deal even with, Kind of going back to this whole multiplayer problem, uh, in in something like Overwatch, which is a really fast first person shooter, uh, wh- but where there's lag everywhere. So so between any two players, there might be as much as as a quarter second of time between you taking an action, the other person being aware that that action has happened. Mm-hmm. And in order for this to work, the everybody's games have to be lying to each other constantly and yes. just kind of guessing about what might have happened and whatever. And if you you cannot make a, a good game period but certainly things that are like multiplayer where there's now lag involved in this kind of stuff without just really knowing how to lie mm-hmm. and lying is incredibly complicated because when it comes <laughs> yes. to, when it comes to level head almost all of Seth's programming time has gone into figuring out how, where the lies need to be and then how to code them up because the lies are way more complicated than the truth mm-hmm. the truth is just like if the player is on the ground they can now jump right mm-hmm. very straightforward easy to program but now it's, okay, now I need to store, anytime they're falling, I need to store whether or not they've tried to jump, and now I need to track time since they did that to see if it's within some arbitrary threshold mm-hmm. that I also have to tweak right. to make sure that it feels right. And then and so when on. they hit the ground, if they've pressed that button, then we just fire off another key press under the hood yep. yeah. and be like, yep, you did it. I totally nice did it. Work. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the reality then is that the, I mean, if you look at, I think one of my favorite examples is this, if you look at uh, a rotoscoped animation. So rotoscoping is just literally you take, say, a, a a short video and frame by frame draw over the body. Are you sure it's not when you look in a sewer? That's roto rooting. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different, it's a different animation. They're close together (laughs) because what happens in in rotoscoping is if you watch any of them and they're kind of cool, 
to, to look at, but they don't feel good. They don't feel good in like a in a good animation. They don't feel sense. juicy. They don't feel juicy. They don't feel very lively, actually. But the weird thing is they're exact, right? It's, a, it's just a person that you have drawn over 100% exactly dancing or, or running or whatever else. And yeah, if you, I mean, if you look at a few of these on YouTube, you can see that there's not, there's not nearly as much life in them as if you take, say, like some Pixar stuff, but they're always just warping and bending and doing all sorts of weird shit. And they just don't feel nearly as good as, as something like that. Yep. And it's easy to criticize things when they take these choices. So take almost every space movie, there's sounds in space, right? Yes. Now, this is the thing that back in the day used to drive me crazy because I was like, I'm a smart That's person. Not real. I know there's no, there's no sound <laughs> in space. Uh, but the fact is actually most people don't know that. Right, which has nothing to do with intelligence or anything. Yeah, like that. well, and if you see uh, X-wing fighters or Vipers from Battlestar Galactica, yeah. and they're they're they have wings, and then they're right. swerving around like they're dogfighting, and, then, in an and then no sound is happening. It feels super unnatural to the point where even if you understand what's happening, uh, it just still feels bad. It's you not know? fun. There's it's not one. Fun. There's one show that does not have sound in space. Firefly. That's true. It it didn't make it. <laughs> they didn't, <laughs> they didn't, be a they didn't yeah. make it. But on the other <laughs> hand, though, the, the few times when I've seen that, or, or or things that are that have a less just like stuff in space kind of thing, where they'll show an explosion but you don't hear anything, you know, it's like mm-hmm. often you just see this. Uh, there's something about that moment that they can be so spectacular because it's in contrast to everything else. Yeah. But uh, but I was watching, so I was watching the, I was finishing up the Expanse over the weekend, and there was a scene Great where where, so, where this this something terrible is happening to this person. I'm not going to go into any details, but. So she's kind of – she's just crying as as this thing is happening. But now they're in suspended in zero G, right? So I was, I was looking at her eyes. I was like, there's something weird about her eyes right now because they were kind of like weirdly reflective. And then I realized yeah. that they were actually having her tears behave like water does in zero G. Yeah, she was crying. And so she was growing. But the tears don't run down your face. They just, they just, they just stick stay to your on your eye. Yeah. So yeah. she was just kind of like growing this sort of – this water orb on her eyes, right? Yeah. And I was like, that <laughs> is a good fucking piece of attention awesome. to detail. Yeah. But – if you didn't know, if you didn't know that in zero G, that's how water behaved, this would just be like a baffling, confusing, like what the hell is going on? Is kind she of a moment. mage, right? Well, <laughs> but then you couldn't appreciate. It. You would just think that they, that something weird happened to the to the video or something, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so, because again, like r- the reality of how water behaves in space is so mismatched with a normal person's reality that you have to make a decision: do I show do I show the truth, or do mm-hmm. I just have this person cry like a normal person on you know because right. Nobody would think about this except for that handful of people who really care. Well, this is this is why, though, I think in that show in particular, they do a good job of bridging that gap because basically when they have their engines running, then there's gravity, right? Because they're accelerating and then they're all pulled down to the deck. Mm-hmm. And so then they sort of simulate gravity by just accelerating, which mm-hmm. means gravity is you accelerating downward. Uh, and so then they can they can contrast that by then – they make a reference to, oh, like, let's shut the engines off for a minute. And then all of a sudden everybody's floating and then things start behaving weirdly. Yeah. And so then you kind of get like, oh, that's because so of something the, to do with it's because of the gravity yeah. thing. Right. Uh, but they, and they also do stuff where they they have sounds in space yeah. when when it serves one to convey. Yeah. What it's happened. important. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then they, they don't they don't pretend like the characters can hear it like you can hear it as the viewer. Mm. Right. But like, let's say the characters lose their radios. Um, and they're out in space, they have to touch their helmets together so that when they speak, then the sound, uh, the vibrations yeah. pass. And of course, and it sounds beautiful and crystal clear to us. When really it would sound like mumbled jargon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, right. I mean, even in the context. You got to take the right kinds of And they, of, and they of course, yell 
Like they, yeah, they basically yeah. like put their faces against each other and just yell into each other's faces. Because <laughs> people, the fact is, people don't care what's real. They just care about what feels real and Correct. feels good. And yeah. especially if you're telling a story, which is what we do with video games too, mm-hmm. right? If you're telling a story, the most important thing is that somebody gets the story you're telling. It doesn't yes. matter that you are absolutely 100% accurate, you know, in, in your description of the events mm-hmm. that are around that. And usually exaggeration is the only way to get someone to get the point. That's yeah. the, the truth there. Um, so going back to the rom-com example from earlier, I think we've even talked about the fact that a lot of the behaviors you see in sort of the traditional rom-coms are so stalkerish. Just they're so overblown in terms uh, of like horrifying someone's yeah. behavior that, again, we've, we've said before, if it was in any other context, you could put it in a thriller and now it's like – you change yeah, the music you just put, horror, some, right? yeah, put some creepy music under it. Yeah, yeah. and so – but – in the context, I've been writing you a letter every day for the past year. <laughs> you never answered. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's bad. That's creepy. So, <laughs> but it's so in that, in that same way, when you're telling a story, you know the characters in in a really good story tend to be either at a point in their lives where everything's kind of exaggerated because of what's going on uh, in terms of you know the activity level, the 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 intensity of the crises that they're put into, uh, or they're just exaggerated people by default. And so, like I'm sure we've all maybe met someone who feels a bit more like a movie character than a real person because somehow they just are always sort of careening around in terms of like, they're always just doing interesting, <laughs> like doing more exaggerated things, more exaggerated life behaviors. Bombastic people. Yeah. Doing- and they feel a little bit more characterful. And those are also the people who a lot of times, you know, if you're writing a story, or whatever else you'll pull from memory from meeting this, you know, crazy person you met at this thing or this person who's doing these bajillion different things. And of course you're even embellishing that. Yeah, you would exactly. exaggerate all the different traits, all the yeah. things that they might be doing. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, exaggerations just make for a better story. They do. This is why people exaggerate when they tell stories, just kind of period. Yeah, right. Nobody ever, nobody ever tells just a, a story exactly as it happened. Yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting point about the question, which is this this idea of it being a lie, because a lie has, of course, a lot of moral weight on it. They're calling it a lie, uh, calling it exaggeration, or something like that. It's a different story. It's a, just a description. It's a description. Oh, what it still doesn't sound great. You know? It still doesn't sound great. But yeah, there's there's not a – What if you call it a forgiveness mechanic? <laughs> it's Ooh. a forgiveness mechanic. That's pretty good. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell a story from what now, happened to me. Because now we're forgiving the people we're lying yeah. to. You know? That's true. It's a forgiveness okay. mechanic. Yeah. So if you if you are like <laughs> recounting a, a, a cool story from your vacation, you know, when you come back and mm-hmm. you want to you share your experiences, you know, you work in a couple forgiveness mechanics – so that the story flows better, yeah. and so that you know, as people, you know, as they're as they're they're more engaged with it, mm-hmm. it happens as they might expect. Yeah, you know, it's all about those forgiveness mechanics. Well, every story you tell is only a slice of the actual thing that happened. Yeah, it's yeah. already it's already lies anyway. Yeah, because the actual thing that happened is usually too long winded or weird. There's going to be a lot of context that's missing, so yeah. you're going to leave stuff out that mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. You've seen it from other people's viewpoints. You only have mm-hmm. it from your own, and you're probably misremembering it anyways. Yep. So it's already a lie just kind of by the nature of it being a memory, yep. you know? Uh, yeah. So, all right. Next question comes from <laughs> – next question comes from Emu117. If one of you had to go on a really long road trip and could only take one brother, which would it be? Why are people asking this question? Keep these like <laughs> – Questions that try to pit us, try against, to pit each us against each other. This is a reality show situation. You know, gonna, the producer pulls one of us aside and is like, did you hear this? such and such was talking to shit? <laughs> I'm going to flatly refuse to answer this question. I would just say whoever's available. Yeah, which is actually the yeah, most Yeah, scheduling wise. I'd say, yeah, scheduling wise and then depending on, you know, just like whether or not the, the type of trip was something that they would be interested in. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not that I like <laughs> hanging out with either one of you more than the other. It's that – 
Oh wait, no, or, this is or a trick question. If you were going on a really long road trip, I can only take one brother. It would be yourself. Mm, nice. Mm. <laughs> Just yeah. sort of by definition. Because as soon as there's a second one, now you've taken two brothers. Yep. Who's you? Was it the car? The car in this scenario. Who's taking us? <laughs> what? You take yourself? Yeah. Well, because you are, that is you how are you one of – Yeah, because if, if you have – if you have a sibling, you are a brother. Yep. That's right? true. Yeah, but you don't say like I took my brother. It doesn't – yeah, so it says if you only take one brother, mm-hmm. right, one three, with you, uh-huh. right, then as soon as as soon as as there's, soon as you're taking one, as soon as you as soon as, as, you, soon take as you yourself, you have done this, right? You've already taken one brother on the road trip. Ooh. Now, if you take a second, if you take a sibling who is male, then mm-hmm. you have now taken two brothers on a road trip. Right, that's true. Yep, you in a very <laughs> you take you in a anytime you go you. on a road trip, you take yourself on a road trip, mm-hmm. right? typically, and you just are who you are. That's true. So most of the time. So there you go. That's the answer. <laughs> uh, one trick question. He thought he could get it past us. I don't think so. Yeah. Our next question comes from Mart. No, uh, no description of what kind of Mart. So we'll just, just, just probably just, just a general, just a general, just a general store. I'm a huge fan of Seth's Saturday morning cartoon streams. I'm also in Central Time and usually miss the first half due to that pesky sleeping thing. How do y'all <laughs> wake so up? Wake up so early? Good question. You, you just. Uh, well, so one trick, the trick that I use is just to sleep poorly so that when You're I'm, just awake, always when I'm asleep, it's kind of all the same, you know? <laughs> it's just kind of just just blurry. Drifting through consciousness. Yeah. It's questionable. Well, I want to, I want to actually, I want to get at the framing of this question, mm. which is you've, you've described, you're making a judgment about different parts of the day, right? So you yeah. said like eight o'clock AM is early. Mm. And as soon as you say that, then you, then, then you've sort of made a decision about. You don't want to get up early. You don't want to. Nobody wants to wake up early, right? And if you're describing the mid morning as early, which is what eight a.m. is, mm-hmm. then and actually, if you can only get in halfway, and then you're talking about ten a.m. being early as well, then you've already made a decision that that's an unreasonable time to wake up. Or, which is which to that. me like my because my question goes the other way, which is how do people get up at ten? Yeah, every time you know? I every time I nowadays sleeping in for me is getting up at seven. For me, it's eight. Yeah. But yeah. it just depends on your routine. Because yeah. the thing is, like, it's actually it 100% depends on your routine. So the way that I managed to switch mine, because I used to wake up closer to nine or so. Uh, and the way I switched mine was just by routinely setting an alarm and then also practicing good sleep hygiene the night before. Because mm-hmm. that was actually with the thing that was always fucking me up. Because I always wanted to I always wanted to get up quote early so that I could get more stuff in before sort of the day had really kind of gotten going. But the biggest thing that I'd heard with was not that like not like setting an alarm and force myself out of bed in the morning. It was forcing myself into bed at night because I always had stuff that I wanted to do. And yeah. for some reason, it just seemed like the time to do it was instead of sleeping at night. So the biggest thing about getting up in the morning is actually not about getting up in the morning. It's about going to bed in the evening. So if you if you sort of move your uh, move the focus of your routines and stuff to having that good sleep hygiene before bed, which is like don't be you know playing don't be playing on your switch in bed thirty minutes mm-hmm. before. So I did that, but don't do that. Um, you know, make sure you – if you have a plan for the next day, make sure you write out before you get up in the morning, that sort of thing. So that's kind of the trick that well, I, I think used to there's, there's also – there's a, a, a level of honesty you have to have with yourself mm-hmm. about what you're doing because if you're talking about like, oh, there's stuff I want to get done uh, before I go to bed, uh, that stuff is – like if you're, if you're doing st- stuff at like 11.30 p.m., it's almost never worth doing. Well, like, like a lot of times it's – 
I'll wrap up one more episode of this show on Netflix. Right. Like, I'll wrap up. I got, I got to look through 49 more Reddit threads mm-hmm. or whatever. And because like what people tend to do before bed is mindless stuff because they're tired. Yeah. Right. And so they're just kind of like filling the time with these sort of things that just kind of string you along. Yeah. This is why the morning is a good time to do your important work. I also like yeah. to read nonfiction when I get in bed because, you know, because it can be really interesting. But it doesn't matter how interesting nonfiction is. It puts you out. It's not a story. Yep. Well, I guess unless it's a story-based one. So like, don't read about really interesting characters that were real-life characters. Right. You, know, you got to find some boring books. Yeah, but not too boring, but just like – Medium boring. Medium boring, exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah. So about be- interesting things, but portrayed boringly. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, a textbook. Or vice versa, <laughs> either way. Um, because if, if I go to bed uh, and just start reading those things, just you know, 20 minutes in or so, I'm already really struggling to stay awake. Mm. And then if I – Force myself basically to get to the end of the chapter or something. So I'm just like I'm just barely my cognitively almost gone, and I just lights are already off, you know. And then I just put the book down and just lay down and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And, and as with all things, when it comes to messing up your sleep, uh, if you're staying up late to try to get more stuff done, you know the bill comes due. Yeah, right. So you're just like coffee. Yeah, you're trying really to get too. more stuff done tonight. In exchange for not getting as much stuff done, and the more like you're not you're not adding time to your life, correct? You're just moving it because you still have to sleep sometime for some amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you shift that forward six hours or something because you stayed up super late, you haven't gained. You actually just lost a lot because now you're just fucked up the next day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It is just it's routine. It's mainly about going to bed. Honestly, it's like ninety percent of it's going to well, bed. Well, it's also it also it's. Part of what you value for just what you're doing during your day, because if, if you're going out late with with if you're friends with people who love going out late, mm-hmm. then you're just kind of fucked because well, yeah, people are out a, late all the well, time. and right? and yeah, in that case, you have gained that. Yeah, yeah, right? Right. you've gained, but you're, you're fucked with respect to waking up early. Yes. Correct. You've made an exchange. Uh, you've made an exchange, <laughs> and and then that makes sense and is fine. You've just kind of offset, you know, your mm-hmm. hours. Um, uh, for for me, like the reason I because I used to not wake up until probably nine when I was you know like a teenager and could get away with it, you know. And in college, I would also kind of try to sleep in mm-hmm. until you always know, try to pick classes and start at noon. Like, oh, so I can get up at eleven, and then you'd be up until actually four. for me a lot of my classes because I I was taking all these weird classes that there was only one of you know, and uh, and I really wanted to take. So I actually had a lot of really early morning classes, which mm. which is what started to train me out of that. But a lot of it is like the morning when the sun has just come up a bit. So I don't I don't like you know coming up with the sunrise necessarily. But mm-hmm. if the sun's like only only been up for a little while, so it's still even the middle of the summer, it's not a jillion degrees. People aren't really out yet. Mm-hmm. Mosquitoes aren't really out yet. It's just kind of a – it is the best time of the whole day in terms of just nice. the ambiance of the universe at that, oh, at yeah. that time. And if if you just stay asleep for an extra hour, you just miss it. You, you miss, miss it. the best part of the, the magic day. hour. It's just gone. Yeah. I think so much of it though just has to do with the fact that, that if, you're, if you figure out how to sleep effectively, then when you wake up, you actually feel good, which I know is like a mind-blowing yeah. thing. So things like, like white noise – Blackout curtains. Earplugs. My wife and I have been wearing earplugs because our dog, every so often, will just like get off the bed and just like tramp, just just walk around a little bit. Apparently midnight sort of, you know, jog yeah. situation in the bedroom. <laughs> and he's got these toenails and they just sort of click clack on the floor. And so we just were – we didn't realize it, but we had slowly just sort of not been sleeping because our dog just occasionally gets up and walks around a little bit. And so we got earplugs. And both of us have been sleeping like babies now. Yeah, earplugs are very healthy. They're but phenomenal. I have a, I have a what do you call it? I have one of those like high pitched mm-hmm. ear noise tinnitus. thing, tinnitus, just like a little bit in my left oh. ear, which I don't notice unless it's quiet, like really, really quiet. And so normally I just, there's white noise everywhere I go in the whole universe because we live in a city, right? So you can't go anywhere and not have noise. Um, but 
when we were when my wife and I were on a trip a few weeks ago, we were like we were on a boat somewhere in the middle of a rural place, and all you hear is there's just nothing. <laughs> oh, and then no. I put in earplugs because there it's like kind of creaks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, so I was trying to sleep. So I have my earplugs in, and all of a sudden, I like, it felt really loud. This just like the screaming noise, you know. And I was like, oh fuck, maybe I can't, maybe mm. I can't have silence. I need white noise earplugs, which I don't know if those exist. I guess you should. could just get headphones and play white, like yeah. your earbuds. Yeah. Get those weird uh, those, Apple ones but then that you look can't, like cigarettes hanging then, out of your ears. <laughs> but then you can't roll to your side, you know? Oh, yeah. Because they're hard. Because they're yeah. hard. You got to sleep on your back. Yeah. But the funny thing is every so often I wake up and I just like throw – I just like rip one out of my ear because, of course, they're, they're mildly uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, so every so often right. you'll wake up and – for whatever reason, just, just like, in fuck your, this. <laughs> and you're like zombie state. So I woke, yeah, Diana said she woke up the other night and uh, like hers is a retainer. She woke up just holding her retainer straight up in the air. <laughs> because it's one of those things like at some you point. Instinctively you instinctively like, rip things off. Get of it off me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, and also I think people also have a weird behavior toward their weekends. Yeah. Which is. Which we have discussed is that's when you become weakened. That's when you become weakened because you fuck up all your routines yeah. for the sake of freedom. Right? Like this is this is your time where you're like, nobody can tell me what to do. Not even myself. Now, <laughs> now I'm going to fuck up all the things that I've done right this week. I'm drink you know? too hard. I'm gonna, stay up I'm too gonna late. I'm going to drink. I'm going to stay up, up until late. three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get up at noon. I'm going to be in a panic. Because I don't have enough time all of a sudden. Then I'm going to capitalize on that panic by taking a nap because of how overwhelmed I am. Yeah. Then at 6 p.m. I'm going to be like, oh, God, I feel terrible. I'm going to go out partying mm-hmm. to kind of make myself feel better. Stay up until 4 again. And then you're like, oh, God, it's Monday soon. The weekend's just be- just beginning. I hate Mondays. Mm-hmm. Then you sort of fuck up the rest of your Sunday just in various ways. Yeah, I think if you if you think about weekending as a hobby that you can do, it's like kayaking. You know, mm-hmm. it's like drawing. It's like weekending is just a thing that you can learn how to do more effectively. Because you got a 48-hour chunk of time that you could do you could awesome do stuff with mm-hmm. if you just didn't didn't fuck up your routines. Everything. Usually. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's just the routines. Yeah. So making good making good food for yourself. So so you gotta you gotta take the the queer eye approach. Because mm-hmm. like what they yeah. what they do is they come into people's lives who are basically in shambles. Which is most, most people, people on weekends. Yeah. yeah. Definitely most people on yeah. weekends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No matter how ordered your life is during the work week, it's because somebody else is making you do it. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the weekend hits, you're like, I'm done. So what they do is they're like, you got to make sure you're dressing well, right? Put some you lotion on your face. Put some lotion sometimes. on your face. Yeah. You got to make sure your house is in order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to cook yourself some good food and you got to learn about other people, mm-hmm. right? And so those are like the five pillars of the queer eye yep. show, just apply those, apply those to your weekend. Like I'm going to take care of myself, make sure my house is in order, mm-hmm. make sure my health is good, eat some good food and then everything mm-hmm. else will be fine. Yep. You know, get some culture. Have some Cause fun. it's amazing. Cause they, they come in and they do those five things, which is just, that's those, those things to me go into the umbrella of just take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. As soon as they do those five things, all of a sudden this person's life is completely transformed. <laughs> Everything about their life. You know, yeah. they, they get the promotion. They get all this stuff. And actually, it's like that show or that show, that book, uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying yeah. Up. Mm-hmm. Right? I was like, that's basically the book form of Queer Eye. Yeah. We're like, the book makes you go through all of your stuff and just get rid of shit that is sort of bad for you. Yeah. Right? And it makes you rethink all your routines. So uh, – To me, one of the most important things is to wear real person clothes. If you're sitting around in gym shorts – yeah, yeah, on like your weekend, pajamas, unless you're like mowing or gardening or, or doing something. Just, I mean, again, if you've decided I'm going to pajama this weekend, then 
cool. If that's part of your hobby, just understand that you are you're being you've decided to be slovenly, right? Which can be fine. That's a thing I mean, we can all so, do. But, but well, what you've done is you've added inertia to doing anything yeah, other than because you being, can't go anywhere. Yeah, you can't do anything because now oh, I got to put clothes. As on. soon as yeah, as soon as you need to go take care of real adult things, go mm-hmm. to the bank, go to the grocery store, whatever. Now you've added a barrier of discomfort. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think the most effective thing, like the first thing I do, so I get up, have my coffee, put on clothes. Or I guess shower and then put on clothes, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, which, whichever order, depending on the day. Um, First thing I do is I put clothes on, then take a shower in yeah. coffee. In coffee? Just, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it's sort of metaphor- I to, it's metaphorically accurate. I want it I to think. soak into my into my shirt mm-hmm. and then what, like, so that way I can absorb it through my skin like a toad. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> as the day progresses. Yeah, but, it, but it's one of those it's things. It's a slow drip. It's one of those things that, that that kind of like just wearing pajamas, for example, to me is the same kind of quote unquote freedom that you take like on the weekend where you just let your life run off the rails, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah, like, now you're comfortable in terms of what you're wearing, in terms of how it feels touching your skin. You are comfortable right? in the short term. Yeah. Like in the immediate sense of the word. But you've introduced all these new costs and all these, all these new sort of behavioral triggers. Cause a behavioral trigger when you're wearing pajamas is like, I'm fucking around now. I'm right? lounging. I'm, I'm lounging. I'm sleeping. I'm Nobody's living, going know. to make me do anything useful. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> I can't, going I can't anywhere. Even, I can't I, even go outside. I can't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't even get the mail right now. That would be embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so that sleep schedule thing is especially important yeah. as well because like people people Jeez. go oh it's the weekend I'm gonna sleep in well you know what sleeping in really means it means staying up late right I mean because it means well even if it doesn't mean staying up late because you're like catching up it means breaking whatever your routines are yeah, yeah. and something that I always find found totally fascinating is people's hatred of Mondays yeah right because I've I've never felt bad about it being Monday what about when you worked your your Bush Stadium or whatever your job your stadium job. Selling hot dogs and stuff. There was no such thing as Monday because people play baseball just whenever they play baseball. So <laughs> mm. I had no work week. But did you dread going to work though? No, mm. no. Um, but I think I think a big part of it is like, why do people hate Mondays? It's because that's when the bill comes due for all the fucking around you. you know, it's <laughs> right. <laughs> you mentioned that. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a study on sort of like weekly weekly death rates for each day of the week, and Mondays get a spike. And the question is like, why? Is he's tired. Wait, what kinds work? of deaths? Like accident, accidental no, deaths? No, I think it's, a, it's like a heart-related, like mm-hmm. heart attacks, that sort of thing. Just like your general people die and stuff. But not like car accidents. Not car accidents. Okay. Though that one does spike after the time switch thing from Daylight yes. Savings. So, but Mondays apparently, because essentially what happens is everyone's routine Wait a minute, hold on. Wacky. And the so Daylight Savings time is killing people? It yes. Does, yeah. I knew it. Because uh, it, it messes with people's sleep. Usually the night before. So then they're tired and, and they're probably they're rushing to work because yeah. they so missed more it. car accidents. So you've got a bunch of it. tired, stressed people frantically trying to get to work as fast as mm-hmm. possible. Anyway, sorry. Back to your point. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just, <laughs> I just said, I heard I said it. it, which is that the Monday morning, uh, because it's a shift, the stress of shifting your routine is a real – it has a physiological it physical stress. Yeah. So when you shift from Sundays into Mondays, part of the reason you probably hate it is because if your routine is that different – then you're literally causing yourself some good physiological stress. You're giving yourself a heart attack. You yes, damn. And it's and it's way easier to come into a weekend and fuck like fucking up your schedule in your life is really easy. Oh, so easy. But putting it back in order takes a bit for it's very, <laughs> it's very difficult. Unfortunately, yeah, so that's what that's what makes that's what gives you the mistaken belief that you've that you feel great going into the weekend with all this freedom and that Monday is a problem. Without, without really, realizing you the problem yeah, without the realizing time. that the reason you feel great coming into the weekend is because somebody else has been making you keep your shit together for five days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's why you feel so good on Friday night. Yeah. This is the thing. <laughs> Consistency is key. Going back to the podcast. Consistency. Thing. As soon as you miss a day, all of your bodily functions unsubscribe. <laughs> They're like, I am I'm out. I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Yeah. Then you have a heart attack. Literally, on once I switched <laughs> once I switched over to a consistent schedule. So because basically for during the work week, I get up between six thirty and seven. Mm-hmm. On the weekends, I get up between seven and seven thirty. It's just yep. like the, a very minor shift. Um and uh, and once I switch to that from this really like keep, wacky like keeping schedule, it pretty tight. keep it really yep. tight. And it's mostly on weekends, I just worry a little bit less about what my alarm clock is doing, you know? So mm-hmm. I, the alarm clock's still set for the same time. It's still set for 6.30. It's just that- But you're still going to bed on time, planning to get up exactly. at that time. And then just, but then if I'm just like, I just want to lay here a bit longer, then I just do it because it's the weekend. But what's the, because it took me a long time to get over that also, that idea of being on a schedule, you know? Oh, oh yeah, that's true. You would do had you did have a uh, yeah. We, I mean, I hated it because I was like, no, that no was one somebody tell telling me, you what to do. Yeah, even if it's just the universe or yourself or myself. telling you what to do. So, <laughs> but no, I think it's an interesting thing where it's it is very much this this. Uh, it's like don't chain me down to the schedule. Well, it's yeah. it's, yeah. it's placing an extreme amount of value on freedom without placing any value on structure or on what you're even going to do with that freedom. Correct. Yeah, right? with, and, and I think that. As we talk about a lot, the, the truth of the matter is that behaviors, like because you, you're just not on autopilot all the time, basically, mm-hmm. like just people are, right? And you can be on autopilot in bad ways, where all your bad behaviors. That's actually what people mean by freedom. It's just you sort of avoid all of your all of the duties. behaviors, all of your duties that are actually. Well, I think importantly, useful. most most autopilot behaviors are bad ones. They are yeah. because bad things that are generally bad for you are things that feel the best in, right. in the short term, right. which are the things your brain tends to. Like, so if you go for you complete do. freedom, that just means like I can't tell me what to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm going to go on autopilot. I'm in my pajamas. Today. I'm in my pajamas. I'm eating ice cream. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm doing. Just those two things. Then yes. yeah, it's you know it's not it's not good for you. It's not good. And again, Embrace this, it. this isn't about saying don't relax. This is just about – No, to me it's about redefining what relaxing means. Relaxing means not being stressed out all the fucking time because your life is in shambles. Yeah. Yes. Being relaxed <laughs> isn't about what you're doing. It's about how you feel. You know? Oh, yeah. Because I'm relaxed 100% of the time no matter what I'm doing. So I, I'll be in here for on a work day and like the whole world is falling apart. Like I've put out – I pushed out some bug onto the server or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that was dumb. And I'm like, and they're fixing it and as fast as possible because I'm like, I want to fix it and I'm worried about it, you know. But, other, but I'm just, I feel great the whole time. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll get it fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. Whatever. Everything's fine. Things are fine. Things are fine. <laughs> Things are fine. Yeah. Uh, so, that's, you know. that's a good note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Just right. relax. Well, we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Uh, thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into the Discord server, which is over at discord.gg slash bscotch, and come say hello. Uh, also, as mentioned earlier, we do have a new Levelhead subreddit over at reddit.com slash r slash levelhead. So if you want to kind of get in on the conversation about the game uh, leading up to launch, then get on in there. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, we have a shop over at shop.bscotch.net. Or if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, uh, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. And last but not least, if you'd like to help support the podcast and buy us a cup of coffee, go on over to moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.